0: fellow travelers and welcome to the way of the showman where we view the world through the lens of showmanship i am captain frodo and it will be my pleasure to be your gracious host and guide along this leg of the journey of the way of the showman i'm recording very early in the morning here today i am in my caravan uh, in the southern end of norway in Kristiansand, where i have the pleasure now of uh, having a few stolen hours alone with my wife and daughter away on business. (laughs) I am here in Kristiansand because uh, I am uh, like last year spending two months or nine weeks or whatever it is over the summer here in Norway uh, in a little circus called Circus Jesper and this uh, Particular productions, a mix of theatre and circus, based on a book written by Torbjorn Egner, a Norwegian children's author, um, one of one of the most famous. Uh, circus, one of the most famous stories in uh, Norway something that every Norwegian child grows up with and uh, it's playing, working as a family show by um, simultaneously being uh, exciting for the kids, bringing characters that the kids know and love but also bringing the characters that the parents knew and and loved so it has this um, Distinct flavor of nostalgia that uh, is experienced by the adults, and that I know that when my friend the Space Cowboy arrived, uh, he didn't see that dimension and thought, Oh, it's just a sort of that's the theater aspect is for the children, and uh, circus is for everyone, kind of. Um, But I do think that. that level of nostalgia and the level of seeing these characters in a, doing things that you didn't know from the book. Cause these characters never get to do anything else. Um, the guy who made these characters was famously uh, very careful with uh, anyone using them to sell any other products or whatever. He wanted their integrity to be strong and this show has that integrity it uh of course for those of you who might remember tells the story of the three robbers who gets caught by the police and then uh, um, get let back out again when there's a fire in the tower in town and um, he saves some animals and saves some people and turns out that they're pretty good and they get to be redeemed one as a baker one as a fireman and finally one as a circus Um, ringmaster. Uh, So he gets his own circus and this is then the continuation of the story where we get to act out and be that circus that we all probably longed to uh, experience because you don't actually get to be in the circus in the book because it's the climax of the book the redemption of the thief into a circus director which I guess a circus man is probably only a very small step removed from that uh, at times um, idea of a thief. They were right there with the carnies and uh, whatever else the stereotypes would say, the gypsies, the people who you would have to be careful about uh, when they were about. Um, So this is a beautiful story of that. And anyway, I'm saying all of this because it is just so nice to be in a group of performers, to be in a show with a whole bunch of performers. For the most... uh, part of my career through 12 years with Laceray and then being in Vegas and all that I've always been with a group of um, performers And so now I've been a few years here where I'm mainly doing like corporate gigs and stuff you jump on a plane you go somewhere you meet some people for a little festival or whatever but a lot of it is just uh, it's commercial kind of work so I am um, absolutely grateful and loving that kind of work too but it is so nice to be reconnected and because when you're with a group of people there is depth depth is something that we experience through connections how everything is connected and I'm working together with a bunch of different people, but one group of them, four of them is is a family of a uh, kind of the traditional clowns. They traveled a lot with the traditional circuses here in Scandinavia and the uh, father of that family, his name is bonbon bon, um Lassa and uh, his wife Tina and they have a badminton act together, which is just absolutely incredible and the juxtapositioning of the um the traditional clown with the big shoes and the red nose and the actual skills that they then reveal after drinking a magic potion within the, the um, badminton act juxtaposed with me and the tennis. It brings this whole sort of weird clown sporting theme onto the thing, but they have two kids uh, who are in their twenties. So they're not kids, but um, they, uh, you are Kim and Julia. And then we have, um, Freddie Stickle, who is a man in his 70s, who is, has been a circus performer for his entire life as well. Um, um, and um, I just wanted to... Because uh, like, what's cool about that man, Freddie Stickle, he's uh, done a table-sliding knockabout act uh, where he, there's a thing when you're jumping and then you... If you jump up and sit on your bum on the table and you've got some speed, you can slide on that table. And if somebody else was sitting on that table before uh, you started sliding, you can knock them off. So this is kind of like a clowning one-on-one circus schools. I certainly remember seeing, uh, like I know, fruit flies in in Australia and Aubrey. uh, And also in... Um, now it's turning completely still here like Spaghetti Circus in, in Mullumbimby in, in Australia as well like I've seen them all like doing this kind of table sliding stuff and the interesting thing was that when Freddie then was talking about his act he was saying oh well it's just that a bit of razzle dazzle it's something that you do if you don't have uh, any you need to fill fill something in your show and this is a guy who has been in every kind of huge productions and tiny productions and started a circus in Finland with his brother and and uh, like, on all the levels. So he's sort of like, "Oh, well, you could always do that." But then he took that, this shtick of knockabout and falling, and two people wanting to sit on a chair, literally that one, and then wanting to get on a table to get up high to fix something or whatever. And they took that thing and they turned it into an act. And then this thing, which is a very general thing, and that was interesting because my friend Space Cowboy, who was visiting, <coughs> he um, he he also said, "Oh, like it's one, of, it, it's." They did some table sliding, and I'm going. Yeah, but the difference is, oh yeah. So what I haven't said. The difference is that they, it's made into an act, and this is the act that Freddie Stickle made and toured for thirty years, and he supported his family and support uh, and himself, and 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 uh, you know if you've done an act for 30 years and that's what you get booked to do that thing is not just something that's thrown together it's been thrown together in a very specific way and each little bit that follows each little bit builds upon it now he has now taught that act to the kids in their 20s of the bonbons uh, clown family and that is an interesting thing that the act is actually being passed on it's like the baton is being passed on like it wasn't with the great magicians uh, in the past there was this baton that was passed on from thurston to who knows what <clears throat> that's beside the point but i love to see how the act is being then kept alive it's being transformed and now brother and sister is doing it and like but the act is the same so it's it's staying alive as an organism staying alive in the circus and it's it's uh really interesting and then to sort of top that whole little um uh thing of connections was that Joachim, Joachim and, and Yulia are the kids who are doing the act, are not kids I should stop calling them that uh, but um, uh, they are doing Freddie's act and then Joachim got sick he was just about well enough that he could uh, function and do all the cues in the show but we took that act uh, he was taken out of that act and then Freddie goes, oh well we're not gonna we're not gonna cut it uh, so I'll just do it so then, with a couple of hours of training, because we only found out that he was sick in the morning, then Freddy goes out, works with Julia. He's done it for 30 years, so of course he, he knows it. But he's now in his mid-70s, so that puts a whole other spin on it. So when the act starts, and it's a rope that's tied to a bucket, and the two of them are just out there looking like stagehands, and, and they take the rope off the bucket and the rope whizzes up into the roof and they need to grab it they can't get it so she goes and gets a chair and she pulls it out and normally when there's a brother and a sister in their twenties and they have a little mat when somebody pulls the chair away on somebody in their twenties and they fall It's, you know, it's a nice little warm up to the idea of slapstick and this sort of pretend fight of I want to be the one that gets up on the chair or eventually up on the table or whatever up to try and get this rope. But... So we have a full tent 350 people in a 20 meter big top in, inside this uh, beautiful theme park it's all exciting and they go on and for uh, me backstage i'm now standing on the side and i started to film it because i thought this is amazing but then i'm realizing that i'm just filming the ground because i'm watching it and to not miss the experience as we've talked about i put my phone away and just experience the act and I'm watching also, of course, i watch watched the actor many times and I can see through the act onto the audience um, and I see an, a lady who's watching and she's, uh, you know, middle-aged or, or above and she, when Yulia pulls the chair away as a revenge and Freddie Stickle in his 70s falls flat onto his back the audience just particularly the adults they just go absolutely bonkers they're going oh my lord look at that this is totally inappropriate and it just gets more and more wild because that's just the beginning but seeing that beautiful grace of age on stage and what we then expect a man in his 70s to be able to do so when he is standing on top of the table and she jumps up and slides underneath him and knocks his legs out and he falls flat out with legs up lands on his back to a slam amplified by his hands on the table Um it's just um, people were in in awe when I was and then he ends by carrying her around on his shoulders and she finally gets the rope and the act is um, comes to a conclusion and I had just uh, completely forgotten about um, <laughs> my duties uh, to open and close that curtain Um so they just couldn't o- almost not get out because I was standing on the side watching the act But that is the kind of, yeah, that's that's why it is so nice to work in an ensemble, to be with all these other people who share that passion that I have for showmanship, for performance and here, like there's so much um, emphasis and understanding of the uh, physical... Uh, nature of of comedy physical comedies or slapstick and things going wrong but it actually being a great comedy act and not just something actually going wrong it's um it's very nice and it really has been amazing now to because being an ensemble there's so much more stimulation there's so much more um Connections And that's where I feel that depth. We're all living together in a beautiful little valley where all the caravans are uh, uh, set up. There's a bunch of dogs running around and you might have heard some of them in the background of the recording. And yeah, it really feels like a living, breathing thing. So even though my caravan, this uh, very peculiar morning is empty. Um my wife having gone to Finland to visit some other circus friends, and uh, my daughter being with one of the other child actors from the show in a cabin off by the sea, and I am here in the valley recording with you. So, um, this was just a sort of picture and this uh, uh, little bit of appreciation as to just how nice it is to be um, um, in um, in this environment again and this community again because circus is a very good community and it's been a bit um it's been interesting too. to um there's a troupe here called the the uh, the the, um, the godfathers and they come from ukraine so that certainly put a very peculiar uh, um tint on the show as well where now um in the beginning, we just introduced him. Of course, I was from talking to them backstage and everything. And it, it's, just, it's, um, it's full on to be um, from Ukraine now. Uh, and it brings in, oh, awakens in me, this uh, understanding of just how awful it is for Ukraine at the moment and how they can't go home because of um, the situation and you'll end up being given a gun and whatever. And that that would be me. If I just, by the uh, sheer happenstance, was born in some other country, just a little bit more to the east of where we are, then I would be in that situation. So that's full on. But in the beginning, they were just introduced like they are in the show. No one has been introduced by where they are from. But after we had done it for a little bit, we now introduce this troop as... uh, Please put your hands together from them all the way from Ukraine. The Godfathers. And as they say that, you can you can see it and you can sense it. And when that curtain goes up and those guys come out, dressed in their pinstripe suits, it's got a sort of um, Godfather look to it, um, and they come out, the audience pretty much just claps in beat with the music or claps or screams for the entire duration of the act. So it's... Um, It adds adds this uh, really powerful emotional thing to it. So, it is wonderful to be back in the community for all the goods and bads. Now, let's move on. A showman is a curator of time and attention. Now, I believe that the showman is an archetypal pattern for human beings to connect to the world. Now, an archetype in a way that Jung or whatever talks about it is uh, is like a, is a pattern or, or so that lies uh, that can be used to describe um, not necessarily an individual being uh, existing like a platonic I- idea outside of oneself, but um, perhaps a... Um, yeah, a pattern. I'll, I'll get into this. It's like the one who faces the other way, uh, which is what I like to think of the showman as, or if you could slightly elaborate on that thing, in, is the showman is one who asks for attention and faces the many with something to show in such a way as to enrich others. Like, these are all like elaborations on what the showman could be. I think that these things, the one who stands up in the cave and has something to share with the others that makes them feel good, this pattern, this is a strange attractor in the chaos of human possibilities of interactions. Um, And this pattern is embodied or comes into being in a person and that person we call the showman and it's the showman is kind of with a capital s here it's uh... something um, bigger and distinct from a sort of lowercase uh, showman just somebody who's doing it it's like because the showman with a capital s is not just a poet it's not just a musician and it's not he's not just a dancer each one of those is of course a showman with like a lowercase s but all those things they are expressions of what i think is the archetypal process um, or the archetypal pattern that i call showman this way of interacting with the world, this way of being in the world, this way of having a division between one person having something to share with lots of other people that they can benefit from. so this is uh, maybe a slightly expanded or it's a it's a different view of the activity that a showman park takes in or like of showmanship than most people um, how and most people use it these days because they of course only like a showman is often a uh, sort of a bit of a um, light-hearted belittling kind of thing. Oh it's it's, it's just uh, a showman oh, it's just showmanship it's not actually any content in what they are telling us or whatever. Now then if telling jokes, juggling, dancing or playing music or whatever material a performer chooses to present in their show if this is all part of this process if all of this is these different things are just expressions or part of a process, what can we say that is valid for all of them there's got to be a common denominator of all performances or indeed all artistic activity so I'm looking for here what is at the heart or the most fundamental uh, what is most fundamental um or what is the heart of the performance process. And this goes back to uh, this thing of multidisciplinary, um, having a multidisciplinary approach. When you are being a director or an act doctor, somebody who helps other people work, uh, create work, then you need to have a multidisciplinary approach. I need to be able to have um, things to say to um, to everyone, whether they are a singer or a poet or a juggler or whatever, when I was working with Swarai and I had to do this, then you always have to look, I'm asking, talking to them. And then if it doesn't work out, they don't quite get me. Then I need to go one level below that. And then I need to go one level below that. And in that process, we get to more and more fundamental things. And uh, the thing that I have found here that I find that is the most fundamental where that, that all of us do and and from which then arises all the other individual branches of what shaman show folk does whether they are a teacher that is like uh, explaining biology to someone or they're, uh, to a one person standing in front of another group um telling them um, about biology or whether that person is um reading a poem or whether that person is showing some juggling. The one thing which I find that they all do is that they work with attention. Without attention, there can be no meaningful performance. There needs to be a shared or joint attention. This is necessary for a show to happen. Show folk of all kinds ask for and are given attention by audiences attention over time we're given time and attention and the only thing that we can do is desi- is to decide what to do with it in this time we can present poems we can move our bodies we can play music but all of these are merely different aspects of the process of shared attention the shared attention between the showman and the audience because the showman shapes and manipulates the attention like a sculptor fashions clay. So when I try to break down what a showman does in its most fundamental form, I believe us show folk to be curators of attention. The activity of showmanship is curating a duration of time a duration of time which is, um, you could say, it's, it's a duration of time of shared attention. Attention permeates every aspect of showmanship. Attention has been put into the creation of the performance and each of the acts the showman presents, be it poetry, jokes or demonstrations of skills, are the result of attention paid the choices made about how to start continue and finish the show are all decisions that emerge from the showman paying attention to them and selecting one thing over another showing one thing before the other and how to present it these are all results of paying attention and then making choices about what to present you know how to present this this process of choosing based on whatever is deemed relevant and right by the performer This is what I call, and probably actually what anyone would call, curation, if you are to think about it as a phenomenon in itself. Like, we exhibit uh, ourselves as curators in the same way that um, how a curator in a museum curate an exhibition. Then the showman curates show experiences. A museum exhibition is perhaps the first thing that springs to mind when we think of curation. There's always a curator involved in shaping um, what goes into a museum exhibition. Curation is a process of selection, it's choosing certain things and omitting others. Curation is a kind of restriction, a creative restriction which gives form to unique exhibitions. what these restrictions can be is is endless like the, the kind of restrictions that a curator can choose or if you haven't thought it fully through it can just happen by bias or whatever but it could be like you could yeah it could be female artists with middle names beginning with L paintings by them or modernist sculpture but only the ones that are made with metal wire it can be pop art it can be paintings costing more than 10 million dollars but it could also just be like and um the thing that ties it together is that it's all paintings or that it is all art or that it is all um parts from machines there is no limit to what the kind of lens of curation can be but carefully crafted curation can show trends and connections that one might never have discovered unless it was pointed out to you in the best way, then that's what it is. It's like it brings out patterns or it brings ba- brings out um, interesting connections in the world. Um, and although museums might be the first thing that you think of, there's also a lot of curation going on on the internet. And I'm thinking here of the Brain Pickings uh, blog by Maria Popova. This is a perfect example of that. She collects and curates gems. She thinks she gets to star of people as well now but she just finds interesting and meaningful stuff from all over the cultural landscape and she's not curating her website like a museum that chooses one-off pieces which from then on will only be on show in that particular exhibit in that particular museum she's rather pulling out diamonds from the endless dirt of the information overflow or overload and placing them together and connecting them to an ever-growing collection of gems So her brainpickings.org, you can find her online. Um, Because you all know that there's mostly crap and time-wasting content on the internet. So to click yourself into a carefully curated site where each post presents something valuable as well as being part of a collection of other posts and it's carefully... in copiously interconnected as well so whenever she's talking about a topic that she's written about before it's linked up with other things so which uh, so it's it's both interesting in itself but it's also interesting for the connections that um this um that that each gem has with the other ones and it's this kind of um curation that uh, uh that creates depth and to me depth is about interconnection it's you gain the depth and you gain understanding of depth by seeing how it is connected to many other things and in that way i'd think of her as a show woman somebody who is um, presenting a perfect act of showmanship but it's coming out in the form of a blog she's absolutely keeping the audience in mind she's picking out gems from a specific book sometimes it can just be a whole little post or uh, about a particular quote and what that triggers in her uh, or whatever very good so with all this said you now probably get the gist of why i believe that the most fundamental unit of a showman's or a showwoman's or a show or a performer's work is the curation of human attention so a showman is a curator of time and attention So it doesn't get more um, fundamental than that when we go beneath all the different um, variations on material that we can do, the endless uh, things that we go on about that I love. I love to go into the details of talking to Jay Gulligan about uh, juggling or talking to Morgan James about the intricacies of um, how to connect with an audience or... um, reading whatever it is that I'm reading and practicing my skills I love all these different aspects I love poetry and I love all these things but then trying to get what is the most fundamental thing that we do I love this stuff and I hope you um, it resonates with you as well now I have been uh, from the long time listeners you know that I read poetry and you know that I sometimes read the poetry of Charles Bukowski, who also picks up uh, gems from the dirt and holds them up. And if I've found this poem that I, um, I actually it turns out that I have this. I found it on the internet, but I found that that it comes from a uh, collection of poetry called "Septuagenarian Stew," uh, uh, meaning somebody who's seventy. It, it actually was published in 1990, when, um, which was the year that uh, Bukowski was. Uh, turning 70 so that's the explanation of that poem but of course now they're also talk, talking to a Septuaginarian who I'm sharing a dressing room with every day we have a beautiful little caravan with Freddy Stickle and you know you get a different perspective on things when you are 70 and when um, you know you you think that you have some great idea I do and then he goes oh yeah I used to do that uh, back in the day and you sort of realize uh, You get humbled by... um. Anyway, those rambling things aside, I found this poem called The Strange, and I thought that it was just... um, Yeah, I really liked it, so I thought I'd close this uh, episode off by reading The Strange by Charles Bukowski. The strongest of the strange. You won't see them often. The strongest of the strange, you won't see them often, for wherever there is a crowd, they are not. Those odd ones, not many, but from them come the few good paintings, the few good symphonies, the few good books and other works. And from the best of the strange ones, perhaps nothing. They are their own paintings, their own books they are their own music their own work and sometimes i think i see them say a certain old man sitting on a certain bench in a certain way or a quick face going the other way in a passing automobile or there's a certain motion of the hands of a bag boy or a bag girl while packing supermarket groceries. Sometimes it is even somebody you have been living with for some time. You will notice a lightning-quick glance never seen from them before. And sometimes you will only note their existence suddenly in vivid recall some months, some years after they are gone." I remember such a one. He was about twenty years old, drunk at ten a.m., staring into a cracked New Orleans mirror, facing, dreaming, against the walls of the world. Where did I go? The strange. The strongest of the strange. You won't see them often for wherever the crowd is they are not. Those odd ones, not many, but from them come the few good paintings, the few good symphonies, the few good books and other works. And from the best of the strange ones, perhaps nothing. They are their own paintings, their own books, their own music, their own work. Sometimes, I think I see them, say, a certain old man sitting on a certain park bench in a certain way or a quick face going the other way in a passing automobile or there's a certain motion of the hands of a bag boy or a bag girl while packing supermarket groceries. And sometimes it is even somebody you have been living with for some time. You will notice a lightning-quick glance never seen from them before, and sometimes you will only note their existence suddenly, in vivid recall, some months, some years after they are gone. And I remember such a one. He was about twenty years old, drunk, at ten a.m., staring into a cracked New Orleans mirror, facing... Dreaming against the walls of the world. Where did I go? Yeah, I won't go into a um, a lengthy discussion about the poem. The poem is a beautiful multitude of things. It's it's always it's um, it's a multiplicity of meanings. There's so many things going on here, like he, he goes, the the strongest of the strange. You won't see them wherever a crowd is. You know they don't like to be with a crowd, but here as well, I'm like oh, thinking. I'm thinking of the strange here. I'm thinking of the artist. I'm thinking of people such as myself, um, who stand facing the other way. When, when Bukowski too went out and did these uh, readings that he did, and you can find some of them on online, where he's like he's playing the role of the drunk poet. Uh, you know, he's getting drunk in front of them, getting in arguments and trying to egg people on to get in a fight. Or, like, he's absolutely playing the character who can deliver this kind of uh, drunken wisdom or whatever that he has a, a, a misanthrope or so. But but still, it's he is the one person on that stage facing the other way. And when he's doing his work, he is being uh then he's he's isolating himself you know like you you, you you're you you're being boring from from the view of the of the you're not the life of the party you're at home writing poems and you have to get the words in the right order and to cut away all the words that are not needed then you need to be a little boring um so just from that first uh stands here like I'm just now looking at it with the lens of showmanship and uh, which is the only lens it's just this whole podcast it's just me talking about things as I see them I guess so uh, but he also goes those people who do step away the strange ones they are the you know those odd ones not many but from them come a few good paintings it's like most people who are alone or are trying to do this, writing a poem or trying to do some act or whatever. It's maybe most of it is not good, like I just mentioned about the Maria Popova being a curator of the internet, where there's also mainly not awesome, and you gotta find those gems out there. And yeah, anyway, I won't go through the whole thing, but also, yeah. I'll let you make up your own mind about these things, but I found this gem on the internet, uh, not on Maria Popova's uh, site. Uh, probably the algorithms of uh, of the internet had thought that they should put this in my way, so I guess there are digital curators going on as well, but I urge you to go out there and stepping out onto your stage of the world, be that your life, your caravan, your house or into wherever you step that you will pay attention to yourself as a curator of time and attention, your own and others so a little bit of housekeeping at the end it would be amazing if you could uh, write me a review on um, um, iTunes click 5 stars, it always helps it costs you little, it makes a lot of sense for me. Um, if you do like what I do here, you can uh, tell it in a way that I really notice by uh, going to buymeacoffee.com slash Captain and giving me a donation. That would be wonderful to see. Um, apart from that, soon I will be making some uh, t-shirts. The first t-shirts have been made and worn by people around the world. So um, it's, um, I'm going to tell you more about that perhaps in the next episode. Until then, all that's left to be said is take care of yourself and those you love and I hope to see you along the way.